Welcome to Grace at the Table, a podcast from Grace Community Church where we take culturally relevant topics and discuss them biblically and practically. You are listening to part two of a two-part series on the topic of Christmas here on Grace at the Table. All right, so what do we think about the war on Christmas and what, as believers, is a good way to kind of fight that battle? I know one of the things um, in our questions that's brought up is even just this concept of happy holidays versus Merry Christmas um, and the way that Christ can kind of feel like he's trying to get pulled out of the holiday season so it becomes just a holiday and not Christmas as we would like to know it. So um, what do we lose by different choices and how we fight that battle? And what would you recommend? I'm going to let these guys answer first because I have thoughts, but I want to see what you guys say first. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Well, first of all, Whenever I'm in a war, I like to be on the winning side, and the best news <laughs> is we win in the end. So I'm a whole lot less worried. That, that, that war doesn't stress me out because, um, you know, Jesus has gone ahead of us, and, and, and you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to win this war. Um, but I think the other thing is when I think about wars, most of them are occurring in my own heart. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, whether somebody says happy holidays to me or, um, you know, Merry Christmas, if I'm getting all bent out of shape, I'm like, what, what is it that I have to prove? What is it that I have to defend here um, that isn't, you know, uh, that doesn't, that God isn't going to defend himself? And so um, I think the only war that I have to, to battle is the war of my own drift in my own heart. Um, so, the, so, I mean, maybe these things can contribute to that drift, um, but only if I let them. So uh, I, I think I'm just constantly thinking, how do I keep my heart in the right place? How can I build a foundation within my family? How can I can, can I create a uh, um, uh, a fertile field in my in my family's um, uh, activities that draw them into the Christmas season in, in all the right ways? Um, and you know, if somebody wants to say happy holidays because they don't want to offend offend one of our Jewish brothers and sisters because it's Hanukkah or something else, mm-hmm. um, I, God bless them. Huh? So, yeah, I, I guess first I would say number one, I'm I'm not surprised by it. <laughs> I don't know that I expect the world we live in to exalt Christ, and you know that they're going to do that. Um, and when I think, you know, kind of biblically about that, I think throughout biblical history, the people of God have often lived in cultural contexts that did not recognize their faith, you know, that didn't, uh, um, in any way, you know, acknowledge that culturally. Mm-hmm. And the way that they kept that, those faith traditions alive was among themselves and in their families. And, um... So to me, that's, I don't know that that's too much different from the world we live in now. I don't, I don't put my hope in, you know, the, the government recognizing Christmas as a, you know. Or the cultural embrace of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it doesn't surprise me as we drift further mm-hmm. and further away from, you know, a, being a country that where our moral values are more, closely associated with Christian values as in the past, that drift kind of 
continues to create a greater divide. So um, I don't know that it's a war that I personally feel the need to fight. So you're not concerned that there's some great loss on the other side of this if for some reason that's a battle that isn't fought tooth and nail? Like, is there something that we sacrifice? And let me let me broaden the question a little bit here before you answer, because I know you had thoughts, but I want to add this to I what you thoughts. give me. Um, thinking missionally, you know, as a witness specifically, because um, this is another question that we have. If you are thinking as a missionary during this time and you're thinking about bringing the message of the gospel to people, is there something in particular that we lose in sacrificing on some of these maybe little hills that feel like they're making a mountain um, in how we either engage with the culture, people that we know, our families, whatever it may be. Um, is there something, how are we thinking on mission as we approach those types of things? Because I don't think the concern is just, does it impact me? Um, I think some of the concern that people have in that is, well, am I being a good witness? Am I sacrificing something on that front where God is not going to either be seen or he's not going to shine? And is that right or wrong? So let me add that to the question as before you go in. Right. And you guys can come back if you want. I'll use that to start my thoughts. Okay, go for it. I'm going to turn, turn that question on its head. I think missionally, mm -hmm. we lose if we fight this battle. Okay. I think that that's Elaborate. the way to lose the, the, the missional battle by fighting a war for Christmas. Um, by, because uh, our mission is not to, um, to reclaim or save some Christian version of America. Our mission is not to make sure that unregenerate pagans say Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. And in fact, if we make that our mission, we lose the gospel and we lose the opportunity to actually witness to people who don't know Jesus. Mm. And so if they know us as those angry people who get mad when people say Happy Holidays, we are not representing Jesus well. And so, um, so, so my, my thought is uh, if you're concerned about the war on Christmas, um, all right, this is probably going to get me in trouble. Turn off Fox News and take a chill pill. 93% um, of Americans celebrate Christmas. I don't think we're in danger of losing the, this war. And of course, what people mean by the war on Christmas is happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas, taking down public nativity scenes. You know, Or just Xmas. I know that one was a big stink. Because okay, so if we just hack the word Christ out, apparently that X is just evil. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because Sarah and I just had this, I thought, really funny conversation Or the other we can't day. be burdened to write the Christ part because our hand is tired. Uh, and so X and mass is what we're going for. So Sarah grew up her, her whole life hearing in school and stuff how that was a war on Christmas and taking Christ out of Christmas, making it Xmas. That's not true. Um, the X is, uh, is the short for the, the, the Greek title for Christ, Christos. And so it's, Literally going all the way back to uh, like long time ago. That's a an abbreviation for Christ Mass is Xmas. Okay. It's not a, not a war on Christmas. And, and so Sarah just found this out like two days ago, and she was so <laughs> mad that she had been lied to. And she was like, "All this time I felt guilty every time I said Xmas. I'm taking Christ out of Christmas, and, and it's not true." Well, actually, this just brings how up, you feel when you find out there's no Santa, right? This brings up a really good point, though, because. For her, as far as her knowledge base goes, and possibly what a lot of other people are out there utilizing that X for, 
is not what you just said because I would be curious how many people know what you just said. So I, I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. I would be wondering how many people really know that. Thinking so in the state of Maryland, maybe one. Yeah. So we're talking about a gesture or a tradition or something that keeps happening that could potentially have two drastically different motivations and reasonings behind the execution of something. Yeah. And and so the the way I think about that is is. I'm not really worried about what your motivation is. If you want to take Christ out of Christmas, like, okay, <laughs> like, uh, he still wins in the end. Uh, and, and in the meantime, um, in the meantime, I, I think this, this debate of you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Xmas, it, it, I think it, it is a, a signal of this shifting cultural landscape that our, our culture is increasingly post-Christian, um, but to me, that's just, that's what our mission field is. Like, so for a couple of years, my wife and I, we, we lived in uh, Mount Washington, Baltimore City, which is a, a very heavily Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. Almost all of our neighbors, Orthodox Jewish. Um, so, you know, at, at the grocery store, it wasn't Christmas decorations, it was Hanukkah decorations. And like, um, and so, you know what, I said, happy holidays, or or even like, or even like happy Hanukkah, if I knew this person was Jewish, and that's like, that's okay because that's where where they're at, and so um, so really, I think instead of being angry or fearful about this shifting cultural landscape, um, or fighting to keep some some wrapping paper of religiosity over people's secular hearts, um, let's just embrace the mission field that God has given us and go out into the world, not as angry culture warriors, but with good news of great joy. Mm. Yeah, a question. You know, what's the point? And we're not to go out and make Christmas celebrants of all people. We're supposed to make disciples of all people. You know, the, the, the gospel has advanced faster when it's at odds with a culture and because there are great doors that are open. Um, and so all these different situations are just other opportunities where you go, Lord, how do I... How do I tell them the story? Because we've got the best story. We've got the truth, and and uh, I'm, you know, whatever they decide to say when they if I if I fight that I think you're right. if you fight that battle you've lost the war. Yeah, the only the only thing I would add to maybe balance this a little bit is as someone who's probably older and lived through that transition, you know, more than younger people may have. Uh, there is a sadness that I would say that I feel in seeing that shift in our you know, in our country and our nation towards more and more of a post-Christian culture. Not that my hope was ever in the culture, but um, I, I don't think it's a bad thing to want your country, your government, your nation to do righteously, act righteously, you know, follow righteous things. Um, so, so I can appreciate people who want to see the culture more in line with Christian values and, and principles and beliefs. I just don't know that the Bible says that's the way the, you know, things are going to, mm. that Jesus is going to conquer. <laughs> um, so, so that's why I say I'm not surprised, but there is a little bit of a sadness to see that change, you know. Mm. Uh, in the and, country I live in. Yeah. And yeah, even though I'm over here on the other side, I think that's okay, it's okay to be sad about that. It's okay to miss something that was lost because something has been lost. Um, it's just at the same time, because that's not our mission, we, we dare not sacrifice our gospel witness 
in order to get something that is less than our mission. Yeah. And that comes from the guy wearing the dinosaur Santa <laughs> Yeah, sweater. he's completely decked out <laughs> over there. Um, but on that same note, I, I would think, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's kind of hope in this argument as well because our celebration of Christmas is really not in what's happening right now. It's about what's already been done yep. and what's already accomplished. Um, and it's really not in any of the gestures. It's not in ours. It's not in somebody else's gesture for the holiday. It's not It's not really any of these things. Um, arguably, if we didn't celebrate Christmas with any of our traditions it wouldn't change what's already been done and what Christmas truly is. So, I mean, you could argue that if that's kind of where your mind is going, then maybe you're not looking fully at what we're really celebrating here, um, that maybe we're getting a little off course. Not that these things don't matter, because I think they are a reflection of you know where people are at and what's going on, but... There, I'm sure there are people somewhere in the world that would love to celebrate Christmas for what it truly means in what's already happened that can't even display that publicly because it would put them at risk. Um, and that has nothing to do with culture. That's just, I cannot talk about what Christ has accomplished in this time, you know, in his coming to us as a baby, because if I start displaying or talking about that, I'm, I'm going to have a problem. Like someone's going to come after me for that. Yeah. And, and really the, the, the good news of Christmas is that, is that God has broken into this darkened world. Light has, has shined. Um, and, uh, and he is victorious. God and sinners have been reconciled. Jesus is mm-hmm. alive. And so whatever the cultural conditions around us, um, we have an un- unstoppable king and an unstoppable message. Mm-hmm. And we really do have good news and great joy, regardless of whether people like us or not, whether they agree with us or not, or, or wear the same kind of cultural trappings as us. Jesus is alive, so we can rejoice. Yeah, and also freedom in that, because our witness is not really what saves people. And it's not really what draws people. And I think as Christians, with some of these debates, it can be really easy to fall into this like performance trap of if we don't represent perfectly well that somehow Christ's mission and goal is not going to be accomplished. And really, that's completely unbiblically a way to think. I think it's so much more about he delivers and completes his mission in spite of our imperfect witness. I think it's easy for us to think that once we're saved, that somehow we're better. And we're really not. Um, Our witness is not that much more improved. It's just that he shines through us. So if you want him to shine through you, I think that's a great desire. But I don't think for thinking that there are moments where maybe he doesn't, that somehow he's hindered. I think we're shrinking what we're actually claiming we're celebrating here. His kingdom is is marching on. Yeah. No matter what we call December 25th, his kingdom is marching on. Yes. I think we don't want to forget that, um, you know, if we read through the New Testament, the gospel entered cultures where there was no evidence of anything Christian at all. And God worked in that situation to save people, build churches. Um, 
So there's, you know, there, God doesn't need um, a culture that, that honors Christian values or symbolism in some way to accomplish that. Um, some people might argue that actually works against the gospel's effectiveness because people get overly familiar with gospel mm -hmm. truths in that context. And the good news is, you know, it's just not so good, you know, because mm -hmm. you've heard it so many times, it doesn't impact you. But even in that, God is not limited in his ability. I mean, if he can knock a guy off a horse and save him and use him to, you know, transform the world, um, then I don't think he's limited by the things that we would often think. Yeah, so if you squeak out a happy holidays, God is not like, man, <laughs> there it went. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's hope for all of the things that happen, I think, to be redeemed. And I think if you're feeling that war, I think there should be a lot of peace and hope in that, hope that's brought by this actual season. Um, so that's good. Um, two questions left, and hopefully we have time to fit them both in. Might run a little bit over by five minutes or so. But um, in regards to gifts and presents... Because I think we briefly touched on this earlier, um, we have a lot of questions on how to handle the gift giving aspect of Christmas, um, especially between parents and kids, not just generically for like coworkers and all that kinds of stuff. I'm accepting presents between now and the 25th. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan will take all your gifts. Um, Good luck. Like, how much, if there is a limit, is too much? Is there this line that we can kind of go past where? If we overdo it in the gifts department, maybe we're making Christmas a little bit too much about the gifts, or maybe you have very few gifts. Maybe you're a large family and you really can't do excessive presents for every single child because that would just be a lot, you know? And I know there are other families out there, especially ones that have fewer people to give presents to. They might do a ton. I know growing up there was some families that they did so much, I was like, y'all are crazy. Because this is a lot, and I didn't get anything like that, but that's okay, you know. But, but kids, wow, well, it's we easy. No, it's easy as a kid to think in terms of gifts during this time of year, and even if you don't want it to be about that during the season, you're you're thinking our hearts are turned selfishly towards ourselves and what we get out of things, and I think especially for kids, that's very common. So you're looking at those gifts. I think it's it plays on your heart regardless of your age for some people. So how do you deal with this and how would we even redeem the gift-giving aspect of Christmas? Yeah, and, and that's, that, that's tricky because um, like in our family, Sarah's parents are overboard <laughs> with the gifts. I guess that's, grandparents what, that's what grandparents are for, I guess. scale but, here, um, yeah. Uh, a, a couple things is uh, Sarah, Sarah and I, for us giving gifts to the kids, we've settled on... Um, I'm going to mess up this little rhyme. Um, it's something you want, something you need, something to wear, something to read. Mm. That's, and that's what we're going to do for our kids. So mm -hmm. grandparents can spoil them however much they want, I guess. But for us, they get something they want, something they need, something to wear, and something to read. Uh, so it kind of <laughs> tones it down a little we'll bit. We'll put that in the notes just to make sure we've got the, <laughs> the okay. little rhythm. There uh, and the, and the, the other thing is, is I, I'm excited about this because my kids are finally starting to get old enough to understand really the concept of getting gifts for other people. Because mm -hmm. uh, when your kids are really little, they don't, they don't really get that. But Caleb's in first grade and he has an allowance now. He's he got some money for his birthday. And so yesterday, Sarah took him out to Five Below to spend some of his own money 
on, you know, gift. Like, he, apparently he got me a present and he got his teacher a present. And, um, and I think, and using it to encourage that and to praise that and to, like, to point out the joy of giving, I think, is a good counterbalance for your kids in a mm. season that's all about getting. Mm. Other thoughts? I know for a, a few years I've been trying to sell my family on a particular philosophy of gift-giving at Christmas. <laughs> Yes, he has. <laughs> There's three of us, you know, in the household. We're all adults. So my philosophy is let's everybody give each other $100. And Heck, just, like, we'll pass it, it to the right. This is his Like, stand in a circle, pass to the right, and it's over. Very <laughs> Christmas. Do the math. It all works out in the end. But, uh, That's the been able to sell I've ever heard. That approach, so, um. No, you know why? I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> okay, I think kids. <laughs> as a reflection, even, and maybe this is an argument, maybe even a little more away from Santa. But I think as a parent, especially I would think, because I know I'm experienced this, I'm not even a parent. There is something about the joy of gift giving to bestow that to a kid that I think is special. And I think it's very remnant of God the Father's love. Apparently and I not. don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to ruin that. I don't want to walk yeah, out. Don. Yeah, Don. And I, I wouldn't have promoted that when they were kids. It's only since they're adults that true. I've tried to, to package that. But, uh, um, yeah, I, um, I think the biggest problem, and, and, you know, when you've got little kids, it's a lot easier. You know, it's easier to know kind of what kids want and find things that, and you know, Everybody has to decide what's reasonable and how many extended family members you have and how that's all going to work. Um, I, I, I think, I mean, I don't know. We, we were kind of a strange household, and, and I don't know I why it is. But, Shocking. But our, our kids slept in on Christmas Day. This is I mean, true. Literally. Really? Since they yeah. were little, they, they didn't. They were never really into the whole gift thing, even though they got gifts. And it when just, we did get up, it was about Christmas breakfast before yeah. it was about the so, presents. Um, so that experience still is that probably way? a little unusual in that regard, and I was grateful for it. I mean, it, it was, wasn't bad, but um, I think our biggest problem now in, in this season of life is nobody wants anything. You know, it's the hardest thing is coming up with some idea for people to give us a gift. Um, but I think when your kids are little, I, I would agree that I think, you know, this is, this season is an opportunity to bless people and, uh, whether it's your family or other people, I think if that's your heart going into it, that you want to, you want to bless people and then, you know, you can do that reasonably and thoughtfully. And, and sometimes I think it's not how much money you spend. It's the thoughtfulness behind the gift. Uh, that says the most. Yes. Um, so at the the kids' school, they had, apparently this last week there was a little like Christmas shop where they could go and buy things. And I, th and Zoe, our three-year-old, I I think um, bought me and Sarah a uh, a bag of cotton balls. Oh, how sweet! I, I did. Just incredible. <laughs> I think she touching. thought they were marshmallows. Yeah. Uh. But um, like. <laughs> But so, uh, if you sorry. talk about lame presents, like <laughs> Sarah, mute the TV. Uh, it's like that's like that's even worse than socks. Um, but 
she's so excited. She's so excited to wrap it, to put it in our stock, and to wait for us to open it. And that's the heart that I want to yeah. cultivate in my kids, that, that joy of giving, even if it's cotton balls. Yeah. Yeah, and I know as a kid, I remember, especially for you, because you're very hard to give a gift for, I've given some really crappy presents <laughs> over the years. But I think he appreciated the heart that, just like what you're saying, that you would want to give something and that you would try. So I think I think that is worth rewarding. And if you're, for some reason, if you're a parent and you're concerned, what if I go overboard and I make my kids somehow materialistic or I make them shallow in this um, just something to consider. I don't think God thinks about blessing you that way. I don't think he is reluctant to bless you because he's worried he's going to steer you the wrong way. I think it's more about how he cares. But yeah, well, Shallow or bitter, because I think yeah. the other side is I didn't get enough. And, mm-hmm. and um, so, so my, my wife took one of our grandkids to Five Below to do the same thing and found out that the dog got the largest present. But that's, um, but, but <laughs> how does that make yeah. you feel? So, so I went Speaking and, of bitter. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, the dog's fine. Um, the, I, I had a phone call with each one of my kids talking about Christmas memories, Christmas traditions, just getting ready for this. And uh, it was taking just lots and lots of notes. And at the end, it, uh, you know, a few minutes later, it kind of hit me. I was like, you know what? Nobody said anything about, oh, the best Christmas was when I got the bike or the doll mm-hmm. or the this or that, or it wasn't the worst Christmas was when I didn't get the bike or the doll or something. As a matter of fact, gifts weren't mentioned at all. Hmm. I mean, they, they went through, we sort of had a, a process. It was like we'd get up, we'd open stockings, we'd have breakfast, we'd, you know, we'd wait till the family get there and open gifts. So they, they knew the process that we went through, but it was like, oh my gosh, I remember. And then there was this, and I won't go into it, but you know, this little kind of funny gift thing we did with stockings with my, with my mother-in-law. And they would talk about, oh, then we go to the dollar store, we buy all these things, we do. Th-. So they talk about the process but, you know, cause, and, I, and I say this because I think we get stressed out about oh, it'll be a lousy Christmas where if they don't mm-hmm. get the skateboard or the this or the, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Wait, ask them on Valentine's Day, what'd you get for Christmas? And there'll be this long delay. And it's kind of like who won the Super Bowl last year? And it's like, uh, I don't know, but I had to be at the game. I had to watch the game. I had mm-hmm. to watch the game, but I can't tell you who won. Yeah. You know, it'll come to me. But you know. <laughs> so, All right. Um, I mean, I think there are some things to be alert to as a parent um, that can reveal some things in your kids that you would want to be aware of. Um, I mean, I think, you know, you can, if you picture kind of the classic scene of your child opening a gift, just going from one gift to the other, there's no thankfulness to anybody for anything. It's all about kind of, you know, what, what else is for me? Um, I think, so I think there, there are things that you, you know, that might be on display that you would want to try to, you know, disciple your kids in, but really gift giving, you know, is like so many other things in Christmas. It's, it's a great opportunity to connect it to the story because I mean, I don't, I honestly don't know what the history of gift giving and around Christmas is. Brendan, you might, I don't know. But uh, to me, giving gifts is all about the gift, you know, that God first gave. We give gifts because God gave the greatest gift of all to us. And this is just an expression of our wanting to bless others like he has so blessed us through the gospel. So, And so we would do things to help grow the kids' gratefulness. Like we would 
uh, wrap a bunch of empty boxes and we go through a list of all the things that they did wrong and then we throw a box into the fireplace. This is worse than coal. Yes. <laughs> Arguably. Wow. We just throw those in there and say, uh, okay. But Remember see, but, that time? But we're not, <gasps> this is not performance oriented, right? So, so you'll still get some gifts. The devastation. Oh my gosh. T- parenting tips for George. If you, you know, text in, if you have but complaints, is, but anything but to say. The gifts, it, it is true. And there's two sides to that is there's the gift receiving and how wonderful that is. But there is that gift giving, and it's mm-hmm. like I can't wait. I, and I, I, one of my kids, I won't, I won't name him. As soon as the gift arrives, it doesn't typically make it to December twenty fifth. He gets so excited, he drives it over. I got to show this to you. You got to open <laughs> this now. It's like, well, I can wait to. No, no, no. And he's just excited about giving the gifts. Yeah, in some ways, gift giving is kind of like eating a good food or smelling a good smell. Once you've got it, you go, I gotta, I gotta share it with somebody. You're like, you gotta smell this or you gotta, you gotta taste this. Especially if it's a bad smell because you can't smell bad smell and not have somebody else smell it. That's just factual. (laughs) I got you this horrible present. Look at it. (laughs) No, just if you get something and it stinks, you're like, this is the worst smell ever. You've got to smell this. Like that's often what you hear people say. And it's because you can't experience that alone. You just can't. I'm going to use that next illustration about sharing the gospel. I mean, maybe that's just me. You want other people it's to smell. It's a good stink. It's kind of how I, I feel like life is. You experience things sensory-wise, and you want someone else to get it. You do. So I think when you get a good gift, you want to share that. You want to experience that and share that with somebody. Yeah. But, like that story. I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm breaking down walls over here. So we are over, but briefly in like 30 seconds for the last question. Um, what is maybe your favorite Christmas tradition that you've either done in the past or that you do now? Very briefly and quickly. Um, so this is this is almost more of a Thanksgiving tradition for us. But um, Thanksgiving night after the, you know, the the turkey has been eaten and stuff, we sit down with our Thanksgiving dessert and watch a Muppet Christmas Carol. And at that point, then it's Christmas, and it's all Christmas from there on out. And that is um, that is the best of all of the Christmas carols. Uh, I will fight you on that. That is the hill I die on. And uh, yeah, that's my favorite Christmas tradition. <laughs> and, and Muppets aren't real. <laughs> the devastation. No. <laughs> George trying to ruin my Christmas over here. So. Right. Uh, my favorite Christmas is uh, it's uh, tradition is is too long to share, but it had to do with. Uh, um, us buying these gag gifts for my mother-in-law, and we would do it every year and put it in a mm-hmm. in, in a stocking, and um, just to see her face um, at 73 when she pulled out the pregnancy test that was in there <laughs> was great. Uh, that's good. Um, well, there are a lot of things that come to mind. I mean, I could name the argument we always get into when we're decorating the Christmas tree, <laughs> um, things like that. <laughs> Um, but probably the one that stands out the most, and I should probably let you describe that one, is something that uh, we've done for years called the hunt. <laughs> I, I know what Don's going to say. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that would be yours. It would be one of mine. I wasn't sure if it would be no, yours, though. It's, it's certainly the one that's the most, uh, has affected our family the most on Christmas. It's probably fair. Of all of the unique, sharp household things you've heard today, this is the most <laughs> unique of them all. <laughs> So should I or you, you give a brief synopsis it. of what this means? Okay, so basically there is one final present that's under the tree. It's a small box. It holds a clue. And there is a scavenger hunt that takes place across the house. Um, 
and there's a lot involved in that, it's to find the last gift or two that are hidden somewhere in the house, so you can't just, you know, open everything and be done. Um, which is probably part of why we eat breakfast first, now that I'm thinking about this, because that would have been a long wait to eat. But anyway, carbo-loading before the hunt. Yeah, it would have passed out, because this can take hours. There have been times it's taken more than Christmas Day. There was one year, I think I went two days past Christmas, because I could not find this thing. But anyhow, so you go down all these clues. There, It involves, you can translate languages. Um, and, and you've come up all with kind. all these clues yourself, right? Yes, he writes them, and they all rhyme. He's like Dr. Seuss out there, you know, and they're obnoxious clues, some of them, but that's that's besides the point. But they're there to taunt you and make you aggravated, so you try harder. Uh, you know, I'm just feeling better about my Christmases now. Right? Yeah, I mean, I enjoy it, though. I mean, I typically, we don't do that much otherwise on Christmas. We don't really travel. We don't do any of that, so. Because you have no time. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We didn't, but we would spend the rest of Christmas hunting down presents. And me and my sister, the rule is you have to do it together. You're not allowed to hunt independently, and that includes if it goes past Christmas Day. So there was a time I was old enough to actually have a job, and we had to pause it because I had to go to work the next day and then come back and finish the hunt. So, yeah, but anything from dead-end clue routes, there's a clue called an octoclue that it has eight branch-offs on it. You have to go down all eight. It's a real, it's a real gut punch. But anyhow, um, all kinds of stuff. And my good. joy is being able to participate by taunting them throughout <laughs> the process. Yes, so he'll just follow you around. If you ever watch the British Bake Off and you see Paul Hollywood kind of walk around the bakers and just stare at them, and they're like, go away, and then he just slinks off, that's pretty much what he does the whole day. Um, and ask what clue you're on. They're numbered, so he knows how far you are. You don't know how far you are. It's a whole thing. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But in closing, we should probably end on that. Please. Thank you for joining us for part two of our two-part series on the topic of Christmas here on Grace at the Table. Grace at the Table is a production of Grace Community Church in Kingsville, Maryland. If you enjoyed this show, please take a moment to like and subscribe and share it with a friend. If you'd like any more information about our church, please visit gracecommunity.org. Mm-hmm.